0: Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey hello and welcome I'm so glad to have you here
1: you're listening to transformational energy leadership and I'm your host dr. Matthew Allen Wolsey coming to you from the heartland of America okay you know the drill during the show over those commercial breaks go to my website that's transformational energy leadership where you can learn more about me and my business offerings and I really delight when you contact and email me with your ideas and you can do that by emailing me at M Wolsey at transformational of course you can find find me on this platform, that's voiceamerica.com, under the Empowerment Channel, and I'm on social media, that's Facebook and LinkedIn. Okay, so what exactly does it take to develop high-performance workers? How about dealing with challenging employees and team conflict? What about strengthening your emotional intelligence? And really, how do you practice necessary self-care? Well, that's precisely what we're going to talk about today. And the reason, as my descriptor of the show indicates leaders must be self-aware and self-regulated. So my guest is Liz Kislick, and she's going to take us on a journey drawing from her experiences as she engages with leaders from all walks of life. So who exactly is Liz? Let's learn more about her. For 30 years as a management consultant, executive coach, and facilitator, Liz has helped clients such as American Express, Orvis, the Girl Scouts, and many more to help them solve their thorniest problems while strengthening their top and their bottom lines. And of course, you know, her specialty is about developing high-performing leaders and workforces. Now, she's a frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Entrepreneur. In fact, I've read a number of her articles. And she also has a TEDx talk out there called Why There's So Much Conflict at Work and What You Can Do to Fix It. And she's also served as an adjunct faculty at Hofstra University and New York University. And here's one more thing about her. Many of her articles have been included in Harvard Business Press books called Guide to Motivating People and the other one, Dealing with Difficult People. She's also been in the Wall Street Journal's Morning Download, and she's been interviewed for The Muse, European CEO Magazine, and the Financial Times Ignites. Okay, so there you go. She is going to bring a lot to the table today. I cannot wait to have this conversation with her. So without further ado, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership, Liz.
2: Thanks, Matthew. I'm so happy to speak with you.
1: I'm thrilled to have you here because you're talking about topics I absolutely delight and love to hear. I love to get different perspectives on this stuff. And so I have to ask you, first of all, because you've, you've written about conflict, you you work with leaders and such. How did you really get into this line of work, working with teams and leaders?
2: I have to say, I think it started young because I was the eldest child, <laughs> And okay. <laughs> I was always expected to be responsible for other people. So right from the beginning, I was used to uh, having jobs and making sure other people did theirs. Even, I guess, in high school, you know, I was um, in charge of a variety of different extracurricular activities, editor of the literary magazine, editor of the yearbook that sort of thing. But my first job right out of college really set me on the path. Uh, I was hired to be an account executive at a marketing agency that I had worked for the prior summers, a couple of summers before. Uh, but when I got there, They made me the acting manager of what was then called the Statistical and Tabulation Department, and I was suddenly responsible for two dozen women and their work, all of whom were older than I was, knew the jobs, um, while their manager was out on maternity leave. And... You know, I was dropped into the deep end of the pool, and that was that.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yes, and I completely connect with you already. I'm the oldest of five boys, and I get what you're saying, the responsibility of, (laughs) of, of the others that follow in your footsteps, if you want to put it that way. So you had this baptism by fire, however you want to phrase it, deep right, dive right into the pool. You've got all these people working, and here you are, having to manage them, what a challenge that must have been. You know, when you think about I'm working with teams, because, of course, you had that experience and then many more following that, of course, what are some of the crucial aspects of building and leading teams that really ensure high performance?
2: The first thing I would say is if you have the control to do it, make sure you get the right people. Mm -hmm. Because when you're not working with the right people, it's beyond an uphill battle. In fact, you may never get there. So if you want high performance, you want to make sure you've got the right skills and capabilities in the folks who are on the team, and they also have to demonstrate supportive and collaborative kinds of behaviors, because the whole point of having a team is that you're getting things done together, and if you've got folks who are not able or not willing to work in that way, you're in trouble from the start. So who the people are, I think, is, is the first thing. The second thing is you have to know what your purpose is and what your goals are. Otherwise, you might be flapping around aimlessly just trying to replicate what you've seen before uh, without a kind of guiding principle. So know what you're about and what you're supposed to be accomplishing. And then the third thing I would say is so broad, but it really is about communication and alignment. So both putting out context and information, and taking in from the experience of your team members so you can make sure that everybody is on track and on the same page. And I think without those three things, you're really starting very far behind. Mm.
1: Would you also say that, and maybe you implied this in that second dimension where you said no purpose and goals, would you also fit vision in there there as well?
2: Sure. I I think those kinds of things, vision, mission, purpose, they're very much related. Mm -hmm. Lots of people use the same language and mean different things or use different language and mean the same things, but I agree with you.
1: Yeah, yes. Yes, it's good. It's, it's always nice to know where you're headed, why you're doing what you're doing. And I completely agree with you on those other things. If you don't have the right capabilities and skills, and, and of course, you've got to have that communication in, in place. So you say those three things. How does that – and this is always a big question I ask people, but I'd love to hear your perspective. So you have those three things in place. What do you think about – how do you go about building that trust? amongst the team?
2: I hope you don't mind my being a little contrarian. I don't actually think you can build trust. Okay. I think trust is something that people can only give. I think you can earn it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But you can't require people to trust you. You can't issue orders about it and make a directive out of it. It doesn't happen. won't work. Right. What you can do is build an environment and conditions in which people feel safe enough to tell you what's really on their mind, be honest and open about what's really going on, and therefore demonstrate their trust. And the first thing about that is being as honest and open as a leader can be starting from the beginning. And so there are two things about that. One is I say Mm -hmm. as honest and open as a leader can be because you can't necessarily share everything. Mm -hmm. There are things you should not be transparent about, you know, that horrible, unfortunate circumstance where you know that you're going to have to let somebody go because there's been a persistent performance problem or where... The organization is actually undergoing, oh, I don't know, it's being acquired and you're going to have to lay a number of people off. You can't necessarily talk about those things. So, I'm not saying you communicate everything, but you have to be consistent in the way that you communicate so that people know that they can rely on you, that you will tell them the truth about the day-to-day stuff, and when they come to you with questions, uh, that you will respond within a reasonable range, Mm -hmm. so that you're not the kind of leader, we've all worked for one, where when people walk in in the morning, they check with each other, you know, how's she doing today, anything weird going on today, do we have to watch out for anything today, you don't want to be that person.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, we've all worked for that person. I don't think you're being a contrarian at all. I had subscribed to everything you just said. It's really about creating an environment of safe, of being authentic, being genuine. And emotional, having emotional intelligence in there, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and trust is something that once you've got that foundation there, and like you said, in the beginning, being open, there's that transparency piece but with some limits to it. And that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. You know, when, let's say, okay, you've got your team formed and things are happening, and then we notice that not everyone's collaborating well. So what's the leader's responsibility when team members just aren't collaborating?
2: I think I would go back to some of the things that I just said. I would sort of check the premises. Mm-hmm. When people are not collaborating, the first thing I'd look at is, can they actually do the work that we're expecting of them? It goes uh-huh. back to skills and capabilities because very often if somebody can't deliver on the job – They barricade themselves, they stonewall, um, they may not be responsive, they may not even show up to meetings. The lack of collaboration may come from a fear of being exposed. So making sure that they can actually handle what they're supposed to be able to do is kind of an underlying thing, but often we don't check that. We assume that they're in the job, so of course they can do it. And then I would look at... Do the folks who are not collaborating truly understand what the purpose or the vision and the goals are? Are they operating from within the correct context? Sometimes they just need more information about that to get on board, and, and the barrier is really that they don't know why they're supposed to do something or they don't recognize uh, how important a priority is, it is. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing the leader needs to do, and this goes back to the communication and alignment, the leader needs to dig and ask questions to understand what's really going on and not just the fact that they're not collaborating. So asking about what's in the way, why isn't this working, What do you need? Those kinds of questions, sometimes individually and sometimes together, you often find out that there are structural impediments or some other department hasn't delivered on its promise, so the folks in your department can't even get their jobs done. There are often circumstances that have nothing to do with the two individuals themselves but what you see is that they're not getting along and Mm -hmm. so you have to find out what else is really going on
1: to be genuinely curious okay leaders you heard that out there you've heard me say that over and over and over be curious you notice that Liz said ask this ask that it's so imperative to really challenge ourselves so we don't start forming beliefs before we really know what's going on what's the underlying Reason. Hopefully it got that right, Liz.
2: Yes, no, that's totally right. And Matthew, one of the things I say all the time is why would a smart person do a stupid thing?
1: Oh, great question. Yes.
2: Right? You know, yes. you've got these, these folks and you, let's say you know them well enough, you know they can do what their tasks are. So why wouldn't they be doing them? They have a reason. You may not see it. But they have a reason, and it's not dumb. It's meaningful to them. And if you don't do the work to uncover that, it's actually kind of unfair to just expect that everything will fall into place.
1: Perfect way to sum that up. You That makes that's perfect sense when we step back and say that. That's that's terrific. Well, here we are. We're, Liz, we're at a commercial break. And so what we'll do when we come back, for everyone out there listening, we'll continue this conversation. But about how to deal with employees who are really falling down on the job and and many more aspects. So during the commercial break, go to my website, transformationalenergyleadership.com, and I will see you here in two minutes.
3: Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment.
4: Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self?
3: If you've been affected by a loved one's death by suicide, there may be so many questions you want answers to, need answers to. It's an epidemic that leaves behind broken hearts, untold stories, and incomplete feelings. Join host and attorney Marshall Adler for the program What My Son's Death by Suicide Taught Me About Life. You'll hear from guest experts as well as those who have lost loved ones who can provide some insight and answers. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
5: Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world.
0: you are tuned in to transformational energy leadership to reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today. You are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to M at transformational energy Now back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back. I am talking today with Liz Kislik, a management consultant, executive coach, and facilitator with specialty in developing high-performing leaders and workforces. She's also a contributor to Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Entrepreneur. And in the first segment, we were talking about what it means to work with building high-performing teams? And also, what's the responsibility of the leader when teams really aren't collaborating and working together? And so, Liz, I want to dig a little deeper this segment, really focusing on managing others. And for the first one, of course, is what can leaders do when someone is just really falling down on the job?
2: I want to go back to something you said before. I agree with you so much about being curious, Mm -hmm. because I think you have to come from a kind of mindset that there is something to figure out here as opposed to just something to command. Yes. So why wouldn't they be doing their job well? And assuming that you believe it's the right person for the job. That, that you actually have the right folks, as, as we talked about at the top, I would go back to giving them context about what the expectations are. Here are the things we need you to do. And whether that's we need you to be able to do this every Tuesday or we need it in such and such a way, it's explaining what the requirements are and what the gap is that you see, Mm -hmm. and then to check if they're willing to work on filling that gap. Are they willing, are they interested in doing the thing that you as the leader or the business needs? Because if you can't get them to say that they're committed, that they are willing to engage, that they want to help figure out how to do it better... That tells you something that you need to know about how much energy and investment you can put into that person. If they are willing, then I think you have to ask them what they need and be curious about that and and really be open to hearing what it's about. Maybe they need more skills development. Maybe they need more information about why their work is important or how to have it go well. But maybe they need something strangely concrete, like someone who is too cold may have trouble sitting at her desk and getting her work done, Mm -hmm. and so she's interrupting herself all the time or tense all the time. There are odd environmental things that we don't address because we don't know about them. People think it's too small to bring up and they just have to live with it, but it can actually hamper their performance. So understanding their perspective on what they're doing and why it's not working the way you want it is a very important part of your equation for figuring out how to help them do better.
1: hmm I really like how you brought up the external factors there. I'm also thinking about Ken Blanchard's situational leadership model where he talks about, okay, so Liz, you know, really understanding what's your confidence level level, as well as your competence, you know? So having you perhaps you don't have the confidence like you were just saying there and they need to have some extra training and so forth could be their confidence level. They've never done this specific task before. And it's your role as a coach or as their boss, you either coach, you've got to mentor, but to realize that you have a critical component in that person's success as well. Would you agree
2: or disagree? (laughs) No, I do agree. And sometimes as the leader, you have to do things to make the situation work and therefore to pay off that you might otherwise think, oh, I shouldn't have to do that. In in the situation you raise, Matthew, maybe you say to the person without confidence, well, you know what, let's go on that sales call together or Mm -hmm. I'll come with you to the meeting or let's role play or let me review your drafts. Whatever it is, you've already invested in them And if you think they really should have the capability, wouldn't you want to put in just a little more to give them that sort of helpful nudge and make sure they really can do the things you need as opposed to letting them fail and then not only having to replace them, but having that kind of blight that occurs inside the team when somebody's failing and then eventually has to be let go. That's very disruptive to everybody.
1: It sure is. And like you said before, why would a smart person do something so, you know, stupid? They're smart right. people. So I, I love the way that you phrase that. Let's take this in a different dimension because I think this is something that's really hard for a lot of people. And that is, how do you manage up?
2: Again, curiosity saves the day. (laughs) Yes. Looking at your boss, not as a monolith, but as another human being who is doing what they do for reasons that you might not know. So the first thing about managing up is to not make the assumptions we all typically make about what a boss is like. I would ask... You can ask all kinds of things about how they like things done, whether it's, you know, um, some leaders like a kind of two-page memo that lays out an entire situation. Others, I'm sure you know people like this, if you send them an email that has three questions in it, they only answer the first one,
1: Uh, Yes. (laughs) Right? So Mm -hmm.
2: then that's somebody that you need to send three separate emails to so that you can get the answers you need to do your job. Mm -hmm. It is unrealistic to expect that your boss is going to do things in a way that work for you. They've gotten successful doing things the way they do them. If anything, they're going to assume you should do everything in the way that they like. So it's worth finding out how they like it, Mm -hmm. as well as what are their goals and how does your work fit into their succeeding at their goals? Because the old adage about making your boss look good, that's actually important. Mm -hmm. If If your boss feels comfortable that she can rely on you that you have her back, that you deliver, that you're savvy about, oh, I don't know, um, interdepartmental dynamics, any of those kinds of things make your boss more comfortable with you. So once you've learned what makes your boss comfortable and how they like stuff, then when you need something, you can make a case for yourself that fits their goals and fits their preferences, mm-hmm. and so you can show that if they help you, it helps them.
1: It's a symbiotic relationship, and you're right. Not I much so. when I really found myself being successful with with my bosses, that's exactly it. Is I would think, okay, what can I do to make him or her be successful in their work? And it, it yes. In factors huge in having a successful relationship. The other thing that strikes me when I'm thinking about when you're you've got teams members that you're working with that perhaps aren't doing well and are doing well, you're managing up. There's this component called emotional intelligence, and leaders need it. Leaders hear about it, they read about it in our articles. And my question for you is what exactly can they do to hone that dimension of their leadership influence?
2: I think of this in in two chunks, Mm -hmm. and one is self-awareness and the other is self-regulation. Okay. And the self-awareness comes from, again, observing and being curious about yourself and actually paying attention to your reactions so that you are not taken over by them one of the things i tell clients all the time is check your body because whatever you are reacting to your body is reacting almost before you are Mm
5: -hmm.
2: are your shoulders up in your ears are you wrinkling your forehead have you suddenly crossed your arms you know um (laughs) <laughs> Are you nervous, so you're tapping your foot? What's going on that would give you that reaction? So being aware of which circumstances can be triggering to you, which circumstances tend to get to you, those kinds of things, very important. And knowing the difference between that and when you're comfortable is a real part of being self-aware because then you can manage those things. You can plan for, say, how you're going to have all the answers in the meeting and be more prepared so that you can stay calmer and don't get put off your game. You don't get frightened or disrupted or anxious when somebody asks you things you should have been prepared for. Part of self-regulation is being able to stay calm enough that you can actually observe what's going on with others. So then you can choose how you're going to respond to them in a way that will have positive impact instead of either overreacting because you're triggered and don't know how to manage or underreacting because you pull inward as a way to not have to do anything with them or about the situation.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. How about in, in the moment? So let's say, Liz, you and I are in a meeting and you're really kicking me off. <laughs> you're, you're triggering me. What, what tips do you have for in the moment so that I can get myself in my right mind?
2: I'm going to give you two, um, two, two and a half physical okay. tips. Sounds good. The first one is actually, and you can do it right now. To feel your feet in your shoes, assuming mm. you're wearing shoes, <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yep. laughs> but to feel the bottoms of your feet pressing against whatever surface they are on. And if your legs are crossed, put your feet on the floor, because that's grounding. And all of a sudden, when you are noticing your feet, you're less taken up with your your hot, quick emotional reactions. Mm. And the second thing has to do with your breath. And I'm not going to tell you the usual thing of take a deep breath. I'm going to tell you to exhale. Because, in fact, part of what we do is we take these little short breaths and we hold our breath in our chests. And what you really need to do is let it out so you can then take a real breath. Mm. And the extra half, if I can just give you one more, because... None of these things works for everybody, so for your listenership, it might be good to have another one. If you can tell that you're triggered, one of the things is to find something that you can, res- you can notice with each of your senses. So mm-hmm. say to yourself, oh, I see the, the three pens on the desk. I feel The fabric of my jacket. I smell nothing. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you just smell nothing. Um, I hear my colleague saying this stuff I can't stand. I taste my gum, if you're chewing gum, which actually I don't recommend, but I was just looking for a taste. (laughs) Right. (laughs) By running through those things, you suddenly separated yourself from whatever it was that was stirring you up so much. And then, if you exhale and inhale, you can just go back in a kind of refreshed mode. Mm-hmm.
1: I love it. Ground yourself, do a scan of, of your senses, and be sure to breathe focusing on that exhale so you really get some fresh air in your body that opens up the frontal lobe and allows your full brain to be present so thanks for that liz we are at a commercial break and so when we get back here we'll talk more about self-care and how to really remain competitive in this nonstop, ever-moving world that we all live in so we'll catch all of you all the listeners out there on the other side of this commercial break
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
4: Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On life-altering events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
5: Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. SimRon, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself.
3: As we age, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be, and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with hosts Phyllis Amen and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a more fulfilling life, and we'll bring you the answers that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: you are tuned in to transformational energy leadership to reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today. You are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to M at transformational energy Now back to this week's show. And here we are for the third segment of the show today, and I'm talking
1: with my guest. Her name is Liz Kislick. She's an expert in building leaders and high-performing teams, and the discussion up until this point has really been centered on leading and working with others. And so now is the time to shed light on the leader as an individual. So we're going to dig in here a little bit. So, Liz, you know, part of my show is called Transformational Energy Leadership, and that energy piece for me, I think, is so important because however we present ourselves, I, I feel like it has a tremendous impact on others, and I really think that we have a combination of energy in terms of catabolic, which can be destructive, but it's also something we have to have is that bolt of, you know, of, in, of, you know, when you've got a run from a bear coming at you you know you've got to have that that type of energy then there's also anabolic energy which is much more growth oriented so you have to have a bit a combination of those depending on the situation but of course we don't all want to live in that catabolic state because that can be very destructive and not healthy for us as human beings and so when i pose all that to you my question for you liz is is when you think about energy leaders that you work with, even yourself, how do you consider that factoring into your leadership?
2: I agree with what you said, Matthew, about needing that kind of, I think of it as fierce and fiery energy if Mm -hmm. there's a crisis or a hill to take. But working with leaders who are like that all the time is exhausting and in the long term damaging. To teams. Mm-hmm. So I guess I think of it, you know, if you want your people to trust you, as we talked about before, you kind of need a, a good warm glow going all the time. Something that draws people to you so that they want you to be aware of what's really happening and they want to bring you suggestions for what else could be better, you know, than the circumstances you've got now. I think back to when I was first so young and working with uh, that department where everybody was more experienced than I was, and their old boss, who I was substituting for, was a screamer. And... uh, I can't remember what the first issue was when we were going to have a staff meeting or something, and they were all screaming, basically, the way they did with, with their old boss, and I just sat there very quietly and did not respond, and I actually told them that I could not hear them when they were all yelling at me at once, and I just stayed calm and quiet, and eventually they matched me. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about energy. People will either run from it or they'll come to where you are and match you. And, and so I think you want a productive energy that can actually lend itself to accomplishment. So I think of that at, at a nice, warm, glowing level.
1: I really like how you phrase that, the warm and glowing. And I talk about match and lead. So what you're saying is, it resonates with me that when your energy level matches with others, and then you can lead them along, it's so powerful. It, it speaks volumes. That makes a lot of sense. You know, when I want to ask, want to ask you along these lines. As we're focused on the leader, we're we're just in this fast-paced environment. The demands, I think, on leaders just they just keep increasing with the advent of new technology or completely new approaches to you know work and solving problems and so forth that it can be e- an easy way for someone to burn out and so from from your perspective what can leaders do to prevent themselves from burning out
2: part of being a leader and this goes back to the self-awareness and the self-regulation is that you need to manage the energy you've got for the long haul uh We call people who are good crisis managers. We often call them firefighters. But if everything's on fire all the time, you just can't deal with it, and you do get burnt, as you said. So I think there are a variety of different things that you can do as a leader. If you think about the difference between Feeling that things are hectic versus feeling that things are frantic. Hectic can be okay. Frantic is not so good. Or in more technical terms, there's the difference between eustress, that's E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, versus distress. Eustress, it can be stressful to... um, go meet with a new customer or to have to do an an all hands meeting and you're on stage with it uh but it can be a good kind of stress exciting and you feel proud afterward the use stress moments can put some gas in the tank the the distress empties it so i have to say i don't always follow my own advice <laughs> but the basics are crucial there's so much research now about just needing enough sleep and Mm -hmm. that's a baseline issue and getting enough healthy exercise, which doesn't have to be drastic, but a certain amount of aerobic exercise. Walking is great. I often do my phone calls with a headset on so I can pace around even when I'm working. Um, Weight training also is very good for building energy. So Mm -hmm. that's the physical being. But then you also need to make sure that you are maintaining your social ties and managing your network so that you always have people to draw on, again, to help feed yourself and maintain a sense of being a human being who is connected and valued not just for what you can do at work. And the other thing, and this is so difficult in our always-on environment and our devices are always buzzing, is to consider your boundaries. And that's boundaries with people, and that's boundaries with commitments, and also, I have to say, with device time and trying not to let anything take you over completely. There may be loads of things to handle, but you're still the one in charge.
1: And it ties right back to your opening statement about really being self-aware. You know, there's something else I think about, and that's in the performing arts acting dimension, something that I learned from a colleague of mine who is an actress. And she said, you know, Matt, think of those times when you're really nervous that you're – you're really amped up because you've got a presentation to give. what she learned from acting was is to reframe that energy and look at it at it as a, an exciting moment that is exciting and when you were talking earlier about you stress and distress, that came to mind for me that I think you know from the there, there it's uh, so much of it is about mindset you know does that resonate yes. with you? yeah yes,
2: I love that the idea that you can go into something that you're dreading and turn it into a quest instead. Yes. Very valuable. Or let's take the, the sort of converse of that. Leaders sometimes have to do things that are painful, mm-hmm. like when you have to discipline somebody or let them go. Come up with a framework in which you're really doing it for their good. That this this team member should not be suffering anymore, being insufficient. And the thing to do is to help them find a better opportunity for themselves so they can be their best.
1: Absolutely. Yes, I learned that from a boss of mine. And in the beginning, I thought, huh. But I, I, I really believe it to be true and you're right and the relief that person feels when you are honest with them and have their best interests at heart so you know we've got about two minutes left and I'd like to before we go to break have you talk a little bit about what leaders need to be doing to hone their skills and really stay competitive
2: I think you need to keep up on your technical field and you also need to keep up on your sort of interpersonal and leadership field. And so staying aware of what are the new cutting-edge research experiments, et cetera, what are the burgeoning themes that businesses are dealing with in the area in which you are? Uh, Let me give you an example for me. I'm doing a lot of reading now in terms of inclusion, which is Mm -hmm. such an important theme in our world today, and how to do it so that it can be successful and, and not just the kind of window dressing that may have been the case in the past. But I know pretty soon I have to start learning more about AI, artificial intelligence. I don't know enough about it. So... Just by, you know, paying attention to what's in the news, you can see what you're going to need to learn more about to confront the issues of the time, as well as the technical skills that are necessary because others in your field have them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, that makes perfect sense. Yes, and by the way, I don't know much about artificial intelligence either, so <laughs> I'm with you on that, and I need to we read up to on it. We to put it on
2: the list, Yeah, It's on
1: my list, it's on my list. Well, here we are, it's, it's time to take another break, and so what we're going to do when you come back, Liz, is I'm going to ask you to summarize all your insights into steps that we can take on our journey on this transformational energy leaders, as as leaders, and so we've talked a lot, what would you say are the key themes for us to think about, so We'll see you right back here, all of you listening, on the other side of this commercial break.
5: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment.
5: If you are looking to deepen your understanding of karma, the law of attraction, metaphysics, mindfulness, and intuition...
2: Be sure to tune in each week for You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind, with host Catherine Potter. Catherine and her insightful guests will show how everything interconnects, explaining concepts and modalities that connect the mind and body. It's a refreshing look at the universe and the laws that govern it. Listen every Monday at 11
5: a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: All right, welcome back to this final segment of the show today. and Our discussion has been about being self-aware and self-regulating. And My guest today, Liz Kislick, has covered a range of topics that really relates to to your leadership effectiveness. And I say you, all of you that are out there listening right now because I really believe we are all leaders in one way or the other. And, okay, so Liz, here's my challenge. What do you believe are the three two, four main concepts you want all of us to take away from this conversation that we can begin to incorporate into our leadership journey today?
2: Okay, let me see if I can net this down. <laughs> I think okay. the first thing would be putting real effort and intention into understanding yourself better, what motivates you, what triggers you, so that you can manage yourself better and, and build a kind of self-mastery. That's number one. Number two is being clear about what you want to accomplish, and I would look at that in a variety of time frames. A week, three months, six months, a year, five years. Certainly, it's vaguer the further out you go, but having those goals in mind to guide you. And the third thing is to find people who will help support you, both as professional network and on a personal level. Yeah,
1: All I right. <laughs> those, those are the three. Hey, and they're really succinct and to the point figure out what motivates you what do you want to accomplish set those goals out there and find people to help you i always call those people to help you as your your own personal board of directors if you will the people who have the your best interests in mind and can fuel you and challenge you and encourage you to achieve what it is you want to achieve so i think that makes perfect sense so Liz, we've talked a lot today about self-awareness, self-regulation. Our conversation began at the beginning of course about your journey, but even going more into, you know, the really the aspects of building and leading teams and what's the responsibility of of the leader and there's a lot of responsibility in there. And I really like it because our conversation went really into the curiosity. You have to be curious Ask a lot of questions and try to figure out this is a smart person who's not doing so well. What's going on? And there's a lot of responsibility there for the leader. And then finally, just going into other dimensions of managing up and and working with people who aren't doing so well on the team. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. And Liz, how can the listening audience, if they want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to make contact
2: the easiest thing is probably to go to my website, which is www.lizkislik.com. Uh, that's L-I-Z-K-I-S-L-I-K. And from there, they can email me. From there, um, I actually have something that might be useful, Matthew, for them. There's an ebook about how to deal with the interpersonal aspects of conflict that might be helpful and I've got a monthly newsletter and weekly blogs, loads of stuff that might be helpful.
1: Oh, there we go. So go to her website and there you'll find some free goodies there, the ebook and and other information. And also I encourage the listeners out there if you have not gone to YouTube and looked up her TEDx. Again it's called Why There's So Much Conflict at Work and What You Can Do to Fix It. So
2: Oh thank good you. Resources. They can find they can find that on the website too if they oh, want good. to just all in one place. And of course, there's always LinkedIn or Twitter.
1: Right, right. So before we go, I'm always curious. I like to ask my guests what to, and because I like to hear what they're working on, what they're reading, et cetera, to continue their path of continued self-development and growth. And so I'm curious, what are you reading right now? I know you mentioned earlier artificial intelligence. <laughs> is our other. What, what other things are you doing?
2: So I'm, I'm not reading about AI yet. That's, 2020. Okay, Um, it's
1: coming. All right. (laughs) Yeah, it's
2: coming. It's coming. But right now is really a lot um, in terms of leadership, communication, and inclusion. Hmm. So I've just got, I'm usually reading three books at once. Um, The one I'm about to start is called The Memo, and it's actually for helping women of color navigate workplaces. And I think it's really important to be aware of what people who are not like yourself in some way are going through. Mm. So that's on my list.
1: And that's really, really timely. It's so, you know, I do do some work in this space. And one thing that that I would say is that when you're working with A diverse group of individuals representing so many different walks of life, the power of words means so, so much. And my listeners have heard me say, words create worlds. And so the work that you're doing in this space of inclusion is really wonderful. I have to say, we're at the end of the time today. I cannot express my thanks more than for having you here today and sharing your insights and and everything else. So, Liz, thanks for being here. And for everyone else out there listening, I encourage you to go to my website, transformationalenergyleadership.com, where you can contact me about new topics you'd like to hear or a guest that you think that I should have on my show. And so until next time. I encourage you, harness that positive energy that you have, lead that transformation, and we will talk again next week.
0: Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.